of God's Word. Uh, it's been a while since I've had the privilege of saying that. And so, just pardon me as I enjoy this day. Uh, it's this is a day I've been looking forward to for quite some time in a way that's hard to really explain. Um, so, thank you. Luke 19, and we're going to read really all, all 10 verses here, 1 through 10. Verses 1 through 10, Luke chapter 19. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was passed that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For so, much, uh, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And let's pray one more time together. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word now. We thank you for this uh, particular passage of Scripture. And, oh Lord, I pray that you would use it in our lives to uh, strengthen us, to draw us closer to you. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would give us good understanding today as we look at your word. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, several weeks ago, during this whole quarantine situation, we began a new series called Musts of the Master. And in this series, we've been looking at the different instances uh, in when, when either Jesus said the word must or the word must was used about Jesus. Um, if, just by way of review, uh, we started with uh, Jesus' first recorded words when he said the words, I must be about my father's business as a 12-year-old young man there in the temple as he was conversing with the religious leaders and the religious teachers. Then the next week we looked at the Passion Week in one verse when Jesus said that he must suffer, be slain, and rise from the dead. And then Easter Sunday, we looked at uh, the life of Mary Magdalene when, uh, when he first appeared to Mary Magdalene after the resurrection. She was the very first person uh, that got to see the resurrected Christ. We've also in this series studied the life of John the Baptist. And uh, if that particular message, I had uh, my motorcycle sitting right there, if anybody remembers seeing that. Um, and then we also uh, looked at uh, the life of uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, which wasn't technically in the series, but it was Mother's Day and sort of fit. 
Uh, so uh, we decided to look at that. Well, uh, today we're going to look at the life of the tax collector named Zacchaeus. Now, I realize that this is a story most of us know by heart, and uh, maybe uh, you're very familiar with all of the details, and if you've been to Sunday school and you remember hearing about this, uh, this is going to be a very familiar message. Uh, but as we continue uh, our series, Must the Master, it's interesting to note that one of the instances in which Jesus said the word must is in his conversation with Zacchaeus in verse number 5. When he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, and here it is, for today I must abide at thy house. You see, this was the only time in his earthly ministry that Jesus invited himself over to someone's home. Uh, many times he was invited to other people's homes. But this was the only time he said, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your house for some dinner. <laughs> uh, by the way, I hope your wife is a good cook because I'm coming over. <laughs> I hope the house is clean because I'm coming over. Uh, and so Jesus invited himself over. Now, uh, I know that there is a lot we can look into this, and so let's go ahead and get started here, and, and let's look at this particular event that took place in the life of Christ right before uh, he uh, went to the cross. Uh, this is Luke chapter 19, and it wasn't just a couple chapters later that he is crucified. So this is one of the uh, last things that he does prior to his uh, crucifixion. Uh, first of all, I want us to notice this morning in this particular event here, uh, a searching sinner, a searching sinner. And uh, of course, this is the whole uh, story of Zacchaeus and Jesus, their encounter here. Uh, the first person I want to look at is Zacchaeus, the searching sinner. What does the Bible say about Zacchaeus? Well, so first of all, let's look at his description. Uh, how is Zacchaeus described? And what can we learn from this passage of Scripture about Zacchaeus? Well, we learn several things as you go down through this passage. We first of all learn that he is a Jew. He is Jewish. Verse number two says, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a Jewish name, and so he was a Jew. Um, and this is the very person, uh, the very group of people that Jesus came to seek and to save. And so Jesus came to seek and to save Zacchaeus. He was a Jew. Uh, he was also short. <laughs> verse number three, at the end of verse number three, it says, he was little of stature. And of course, this is probably the most well-known characteristic of Zacchaeus. Most of us are familiar with the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. If you really want me to sing it, I will, but uh, you probably don't. My, my kids are saying yes. No, you really don't. Uh, your ears don't. I promise you that. But that's the thing we most know about Zacchaeus is that he was short. He was of little stature. But not only was he short, he was also quick. He was quick. In verse number four, it says, And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. So he was small, but he was nimble. The guy could run. Uh, and so he also could, uh, he also could climb trees. Uh, that's not something that all of us can claim, uh, but he was able to do that. I remember, um, I remember uh, it was just a couple months ago, or maybe, yeah, about a couple months ago, three months, four months, something like that. My wife and I were on a date, or we were running an errand, and uh, we come back to our house, and we have two trees in our front yard, 
And uh, the, at that point, there were really nothing, no leaves or anything like that on the trees. And so we come driving up, and all of a sudden we look up, and in that tree there is a young man named Mark. Uh, he's climbed up into this tree, and I'm like, what is he doing up there, especially when mom and dad aren't home? That's not really wise. You shouldn't be on the tree anyway, but then uh, he's just being a boy. He's just being Mark. And uh, so we had a little discussion. But, but Zacchaeus knew how to climb a tree, and, and when you're small, you're able to get up there and, and uh, get past those branches and stuff, and Zacchaeus was able to do that. Uh, what else do we learn about Zacchaeus from this passage? Well, we also learn, of course, that he was a tax collector. In verse number two, it says, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans. The word publican is really what we would get the word tax collector. Uh, so he was a tax collector. And uh, tax collectors in those days uh, were not very popular, to say the least. Uh, in fact, they're not very popular in our day and age, too. I read a couple of pretty mean jokes about tax collectors or IRS agents uh, this week, such as, uh, what's the difference between an IRS agent and a mosquito? Well, one is a blood-sucking parasite and the other is an insect. Or what, or what about this one? What do you call 25 IRS agents buried in cement? Not enough cement. Uh, now, I'm sure you'd agree that those are unfair characteristics of people doing their job in our government. I mean, there's, I'm sure, some honest people that are out there doing that, and, and, and that does need to happen. Uh, but still, if uh, you know, someone goes to a party and they're like, hey, so what do you do? Oh, I work for the IRS. They're like, okay. <laughs> Oh, we're not going to talk to them anymore. Uh, they're not our f- biggest friends, and we're not big fans of IRS agents. And certainly not very many people were big fans of Zacchaeus. But not only was he a tax collector, but the Bible says he was also the chief tax collector. In verse 2, it says he was chief among the publicans. So uh, as the chief tax collector, he had others working under him, and, uh, and so he was, I'm sure, in that, in that regard, very well known uh, because he had some authority. He had people working underneath him. And, uh, and so not only was he disliked because he was a tax collector, that was probably amplified because he was the chief tax collector. He was uh, the guy in charge. Well, what else do we learn from uh, the, this passage here about Zacchaeus? Well, in verse number two, we also learn that he was extremely wealthy. At the end of the verse, it says, and he was rich. Uh, because of his pr- particular position, it wasn't just that he got paid well. Uh, that, that was part of it, but, but uh, he paid himself well uh, unethically. And so as the taxes were collected, he uh, patted his wallet and took a little bit for himself and then sent the taxes over to Rome. And so he was also known as a traitor because here's a Jew working in a, uh, for the Romans. And, uh, not, and it wasn't really an honest job either. So he was wealthy. But then in verse number 7, we also learn this about Zacchaeus. He was a sinner. In verse number 7, when, uh, when they, uh, the crowd, when the religious leaders, um, it says, when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. 
Uh, it was pretty obvious to everyone around that Zacchaeus was indeed a sinner, that he was uh, not a moral man. He was un- dishonest, and he was unethical, and he was a sinner. Uh, well, you may or may not fit some of those descriptions, but I'm telling you, all of us fit that particular last one, the fact that he was a sinner. Guess what? All of us are a little bit like Zacchaeus, at least in that area. You may not be a tax collector, you may not be short, you may not be able to climb a tree, but you are a sinner, just like me. And you say, well, I'm not really wealthy. Well, you're a sinner. And all of us in that regard are like Zacchaeus. Well, let's see not only his description, but let's look here, secondly, at his desire. Verse number 3 says, And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. So he had a desire to learn about Jesus and to kind of figure out who this Jesus character really was. Now, despite all that he had with his position, and he did have a good position, at least financially, uh, despite all that he had with his power, and he had quite a bit of power, he could make people pay more than they needed to if he didn't like them that day. Depending on his mood is how he charged people. And despite all of his possessions, all of his wealth, all of his riches, despite all of those things, he still came to the point where he was missing something. See, there was something missing in his life. There was something that he didn't have that he knew he needed. He didn't know exactly what it was, but he knew that there was something missing. There is a need in all of us, by the way, that position can't fulfill. No amount of power can meet. No amount of possessions will make it go away. Zacchaeus knew this, and evidently he heard about Jesus from, previous, uh, from a previous trip that Jesus took through Jericho. And so he thought, I need to find out who this guy is. And so he was uh, curious about this man, Jesus, that was coming through his town. And here was a man who in many ways had gained the whole world. But he also knew that in the process he was losing his own soul. And he was to the point where I need something in my heart. I need something in my life. And he found, and we'll learn here as we go through this passage, we'll learn that he found that answer in a relationship with Christ. And by the way, only in Jesus Christ can we experience true joy. John 15 and verse number 5, the words of Christ, when he said, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, Jesus said, that in me ye might have peace. Look, there is no peace outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, Zacchaeus got to the point where he realized, I can have money, I can have power, I can have position, but none of those things can truly satisfy. I'm missing something. And so he had a desire to see Jesus. At the age of 23, a man by the name of George Beverly Shea, a great singer with a ton of potential, had a hard decision to make. He could accept a job offer in a secular singing position in New York City with a great salary and tremendous respect. Or he can continue singing in churches and for Christian radio programs. While sitting at the family piano, he started to prepare a a special hymn for the upcoming Sunday service. 
And on the piano, he found a poem written by Mrs. Ray Miller. He immediately began to compose the music for the poem and used the song that same morning in his father's church service. And he used those words to direct his life and has shared his song with audience around the world. What was this song? Well, the words of the song go like this. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hand. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to His dear cause. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name. Why? Because He's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus and let Him lead than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Zacchaeus got to the point where he's like, I've got everything this world affords today, but it's not enough. I need something else. Maybe this Jesus knows the answer, or maybe Jesus is the answer. And he found that Jesus was indeed the answer. And so we see the searching sinner, but then we see also, secondly, the seeking Savior. The seeking Savior. Verse number 5, we learn here that Jesus is coming through, or verse number 1 tells us Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. But then in verse number 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. And I'm so thankful that Jesus had compassion upon Zacchaeus to stop. It says, uh, he came to the place and he looked up. Imagine being Zacchaeus on that sycamore tree and looking down and then seeing the eyes of the Son of God meet yours. Pretty special. That Jesus would be willing to look at him. Despite his sin, despite how many people disdained him, Jesus took the time to look at him. But that's just really the beginning. He took the time not only to see him, the Bible says that he spoke to him. And he said in verse 5, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down from that tree. For today I must abide at thy house. I'm coming to your house today. Yes, I'm coming to your house today, as the song says. (laughs) Most of you are singing it anyway. So I'll finish it up. So we see the seeking Savior here as he comes uh, by Zacchaeus in that tree. He takes the time to see him and he takes the time to speak to him. But in this passage, we also see a couple things about our Savior that I want to point out to you this Morning. First of all, we see his purpose displayed. Throughout the series, we've been looking at all kinds of individuals that have been touched by the master's hand. We've seen a lady who was possessed by seven devils. We've seen John the Baptist. We've seen uh, Nicodemus, a religious ruler who was completely changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. And now we see a tax collector who is completely changed by Jesus Christ. You see, 
His purpose is to come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's what was mentioned in verse number 10 here. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And, and this, Jesus is able to explain to everybody why He came. Why He went through uh, Jericho. Same reason He must needs go through Samaria in John chapter 4. Remember we looked at the woman at the well there who had had five husbands and the one who she was with was not her husband she was living with. Why did Jesus go through Samaria? And we looked at that one Sunday. Uh, same reason that he came nigh to Jericho in chapter 18 of, 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 of the book of Luke. And if you look back in the, in the previous passage, um, there we find a, a, a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus, who the Lord uh, healed and, and, uh, and his life was changed. You see, why did he come through Jericho? Same reason he came to this earth, to be obedient to the will of the Father, and according to verse number 10, to seek and to save that which was lost. And by the way, that was me and that was you. He came to seek me and to save me. He didn't just come to seek me, but he also came to save me and to make me a new creature. So we see his purpose in this, but we also see his power. Jesus' power was ever on display with all the miracles he performed during his earthly ministry. What miracles did he perform? Oh, well, he healed the sick. He made the lame to walk again. He opened the ears of the deaf. He made the dumb to be able to speak. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. He turned water into wine. He fed thousands with just two fish and five loaves of bread. He walked on water. He did so many miracles. In fact, the last verse of John's gospel says this, that there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. But perhaps the greatest miracle that he ever performed for someone else was when he granted them forgiveness of sins, given them salvation, and change their lives. So that means that those of you, and those of us in this room today, and those of us watching today who have been saved by the grace of God are trophies of God's grace and God's power. You are a walking display of God's power. You're a walking billboard that points to the power of God because we have been changed from uh, who we were into a brand new creature. That's only God can do that. There's no telling what kind of monsters of, a, of, of wickedness you and I would be if it weren't for God's power, if it weren't for God's salvation. You say, well, I was saved when I was just a little child. I mean, I wasn't into great sin. And so my testimony is not all that tremendous. So, well, if you didn't get saved then, what kind of horrible person would you be today? Praise the Lord for God's power to save us and to completely change our lives. And such was the case here with Zacchaeus, which leads me to number three uh, this morning, and that is a spectacular salvation. A spectacular salvation. Verse number six. And he, Zacchaeus, made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And jump down to verse number eight. Zacchaeus stood 
and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come into thy house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. I want to look at a couple aspects of this spectacular salvation. By the way, every salvation is spectacular. Mine was spectacular, even though it wasn't recorded in the Bible, it was still spectacular, and yours was as well if you've been saved. But I want to look first of all here at the point of conversion. What point exactly did Nicodemus get saved? Was it in verse number 6 where the Bible says, He made haste and came down and received him joyfully? Was that when he was saved? Or was it during the meal when, in verse number 8, Zacchaeus stood from the meal and said unto the Lord and goes into that? When was it exactly? We don't know exactly when Zacchaeus made the decision to believe on Jesus Christ. I would probably think in verse number 8, at some point during the conversation, Nick, uh, Zacchaeus said, you know what? I believe. And because of that belief, it's going to change my life. And uh, the point is, is not exactly when exactly, biblically, he got saved. I think we can make a case for verse 6. You can also make a case for verse 8. Um, but the point is, sometime that day, he became a Christian. In verse number 9, Jesus said this, This day is salvation come to this house. This day. So at some point, at, at some point here in that day, Zacchaeus trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior. He believed on Christ for his salvation. Now, friend, here's the question for all of you. Has there been a point in your life when you were converted? Not to a religion, not to a set of rules, but to a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Has there been a point? doesn't really matter if it was at church, if it was at home, if it was at a youth camp, at school, on the mountain, on the lake. It doesn't really matter where you were, but it does matter that there has been a time and a point in your life when you were born again and believed on Jesus Christ. If there hasn't been a point in your life that you can remember, may I recommend today, May 17th, 2020. Why today? Well, the Bible declares that all of us are as Zacchaeus. We're sinners in desperate need of a Savior and that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not when life gets figured out. No, today is the day of salvation. By the way, none of us are guaranteed another day. Behold, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And, and boy, if this whole quarantine situation, especially at the beginning when everything was changing day by day by day and hour by hour, I hope that that helped us understand that our eternity is, is but a breath away. Has there been a point in your life like there was for Zacchaeus when you were born again, when you became a Christian? But I want us to see not only the point of conversion, but... Next here, the proof of conversion. How do we know that he became a Christian? Well, number one, Jesus said so in verse number nine. This day is salvation come to this house. And I'm thankful for the word of God that gives us confirmation and gives us encouragement 
that uh, we don't have to base it on our feelings or our performance. We base it on the words of God. When he says, you believe, you're saved, that's it. Now, you don't have to do anything to keep your salvation. But I do see some evidence here, some fruit in the life of Zacchaeus that pointed to the fact that his conversion wasn't just an emotional decision, but no, it was real. It, it had taken root, and, and now he was uh, bringing forth fruit. Salvation had brought about a radical change in the life of this greedy tax collector. So radical that he decided to give half of his goods to the poor. <coughs> Zacchaeus was known as Mr. Greedy. Now in verse number 8, he says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. He goes from Mr. Greedy to Mr. Generous. Who could do that? Only Jesus can do that. Only God can make that kind of a change in someone's life. Where they're used to be living just for themselves, now they're thinking about others. And now they're thinking about how they can love one another. Only God can do that. He says in uh, the end of that verse, he says, By the way, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Now, according to the law, when someone admitted that they cheated someone, they needed to pay them back what they owed plus a fifth. So, for example, if someone cheated someone out of $100, they would have to pay them back the $100. <coughs> Excuse me plus an additional $20, because that's one-fifth of the amount owed back. So he would have to pay them $120. So that's one and a fifth. Well, Zacchaeus decided that uh, he wasn't going to pay back uh, $120. He was going to pay back $400. So it was far and above what the law required. Far and away, and, and, and Zacchaeus, again, being a Jew, knew what the law was. 